Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Well, um, what is a pastor supposed to do when he realizes that uh, the song that Robin wrote that he just heard for the first time uh, says far better what he thought he was supposed to say than the sermon that he prepared. Um, is Robin here? Or she? No? Okay. Well, um, if she slips back in, I'm going to sit down and have her sing the song again. Because, I mean, I'm dead serious because I, I really think um, the song that she offered us uh, says much better than my sermon. Um, but I'll move on since she's not here. <laughs> so Israel's hope had been that someone would come, a king, through the line of Jesse. And this king would bring a kingdom that would usher in security, prosperity, joy, liberation for everyone. But that hadn't gone very well. And one king after the other, with all the people in tow, caved in to greed, abuses of power, excess, the deepest degradation or rejection of the very God who was life. And Isaiah pictures Israel's great hopes and powerful kings, all the ones that they had called forth to offer them this kind of hope. He likens them to a massive tree. Right before the Isaiah reading that we were given, this is what Isaiah says. Lord, the sovereign, the Lord of hopes, will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The tallest trees will be cut down and the lofty will be brought low. He will hack down the thickets of the forest with an axe. And Lebanon, with its majestic trees, will fall. And these majestic towering trees are all the kings and kingdoms of this world that are trying to usher in or promise to usher in something so deeply good and healing. And yet it always falls short. And so that's where we're left, with the great tree decomposing in the ground. When we read Isaiah say this morning that a shoot will come out from the stump of Jesse, out from the stump of Jesse. So a stump is what's left over when all the life has been destroyed. We, uh, about three or four weeks ago, had to bring down a 100-year-old ash tree in our front yard. And it was a great tragedy. I've named three of our large trees. And I, I refused to name that one because I knew it was going to have to come down. And it would probably should have all the more. But I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. And when they were bringing that tree down, it was really sad. And now there are lots of little stumps all in our yard. And the main stump 
the arborist said, well, if you want to plant a new tree here, you're going to have to move it over maybe 10 feet, or you're going to have to really grind this thing out because another tree is not going to grow here. When you have a stump, it's what's rotting and decaying. It's when the hope and promise of what was strong and good doesn't exist anymore. And Isaiah says that out of that very place, that place where life used to be, a shoot's going to come out. I wonder how many of us feel like our life is that decaying stump. Not good for a whole lot more than just reminding us of what kind of beauty and goodness used to be there. What kind of promise and hope used to be there. Advent can be a hard time for many because we're talking about anticipation and hope and renewal, but the life that we're actually living tells a very different and competing story. Disillusionment, anger, fear, isolation, cynicism. Not the sense of possibilities opening and expanding, but paths narrowing, the way going dark. For many of us, uh, during Advent, we remember losses in our life. We remember family and relationships gone sour. And all of these things really weigh on the soul. Maybe it would be a good time for us to remember there is a reason why in the, the Christian way of telling time and telling the story, there is a difference between Advent and Christmas. Advent is not just a way to extend Christmas another 30 days and listen to music more. It's, it's a way of preparing for something and then celebrating something. Advent gives us an extended space to mourn, to long for something. It gives us place for sadness. It gives us place to grapple with injustice. It gives us place to reckon with the own dark places and difficult places in our own life. But it's kind of unfortunate because once we have gone through all of this, then Christmas is intended to be a 12-day celebration. We've done the work, we have acknowledged all of these things, and then we move into something more, we claim something more. But if we don't give each of, their, each of them their place, neither of them really have their deep meaning for us. And that's why so many of us, by the time we hit Christmas, we are so exhausted. The idea of doing it for 12 days sounds awful. Of course, Isaiah is referring first to the nation of Israel, to their shared hopes for prosperity and justice. And Isaiah insists that from this very spot, from this decaying wood, from this very place where this great tree fell dead, a shoot pops up. And not just a shoot, but Isaiah tells us that from these roots, a branch will bear fruit. From the very place of death, a branch will yield fruit again, lush fruit. And if we combine this with the later imagery of the prophets, we find that, that we have this tree that's coming that's going to bear fruit for all the nations. All of the nations. All of the people. 
Now we know over the course of time, the church has understood Isaiah to be referring to the Messiah, to Jesus, to the only one who really can raise from the dead, the only one who can raise others from the dead, the only one who can really make a fruitful tree grow out of a dead, decaying stump. And what happens when this fruit really flourishes? It's not just that we get something to munch on. It's not just that an individual need is met. It's that a new kind of world comes into being. And did you hear the language, the imagery of this? The wolf lives with the lamb. They don't just sort of occupy the same acreage. The wolf lives with the lamb. And that word lives doesn't just mean to reside. It means to be welcomed with a kind of hospitality that is not naturally theirs. The wolf and the lamb welcome each other. The leopard lays down with the goat. The leopard with the goat. And the word lays down is like, it's like that sense you get, hopefully, maybe on some Sunday afternoons. I hope you Sabbath enough to every once in a while get a real Sunday afternoon nap. It's where you stretch way out. Put something on the TV that, you know, sort of drones you out for me. It would be like NASCAR, you know. You just that this noise, and you just kind of fall asleep. And you stretch out, maybe take your shoes off, and you wiggle your toes. And there's nobody around. You're not trying to, like, do anything for anybody. You are just, you are relaxed. And if somebody wanted to, like, you know, one of your sons who's now larger than you wanted to come by and, like, do something while you're sleeping, you're totally vulnerable because you are relaxed. You're, you are rested. That's the imagery here, the laying down. It's, it's the leopard is totally at peace, and so is the goat. Totally vulnerable. And the cow, the calf, which is the one-year-old bull, and the fierce, hungry lion, and the fatted calf, the kind that's just ready, you know, you know. <laughs> they're all together. How crazy is this? And not only they're all together, they're led by a child. The cow will eat alongside the bear. But in the world I know, the bear eats the cow. Not in this world. The little baby will play at the cobra's hole. The young child will stick her hand in the viper's nest. Because in this world, vipers aren't anything you fear. All is well. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain. When the world is what the one who comes as the shoot of Jesse, the one who brings life where before there was only death, when that one comes, there will be no harm. There will be no destruction. And what kind of world is this? It's God's world. It's a world that Jesus 
inaugurated when Jesus came to us the first time, and it's the very world that Jesus will completely bring when he comes again. And on that day, Isaiah tells us, when that magnificent world finally arrives, the ultimate beauty and blessing is that the earth, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. And what an odd phrase, because aren't the waters the sea? Like, aren't, I mean, if you don't have water in the sea, you have like a desert. You have badlands. I think maybe that's some of what Isaiah is saying is exactly right. That the earth requires God. And the disruption, the things that are ripping our physical world apart, the things that are ripping our societies apart, the things that are ripping our families apart, the things that are ripping our institutions apart, the things that are ripping the churches apart, our desperate need for God to be with us. That's the only thing that will heal. And the day is coming when the most impossible thing will happen, where a shoot will come out of the stump. It's already happened in Jesus. And the promise is it's going to happen again. And in that day, the entire earth and our entire life we filled with the knowledge of the glory and goodness and beauty of the Lord. And in Advent, we're looking toward that. Would you bow with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.